sound, sound servants, anyone who wants to work with the sound, if you feel like that's something you would be interested in, step up to the plate, let somebody know, so we can get you working in the sound. And if you don't want to work in the sound, there's something else that you're saying, man, that's me. I can do that. That's awesome. For the glory of God, let me know. Don't be shy. Don't be bashful. Ain't nobody going to approach you unless God really tugs on our heart. See me afterwards. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I am privileged with the opportunity to be here this evening. I thank God for bringing me throughout my week. I thank God for my new apartment that we have. I thank God for my two beautiful children, my beautiful wife who support me. And um, I thank God for change, for transition, because we grow and we're stretched and we learn. It's a time for us to mature. So praise God. We'll open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, I adore you. You are awesome. You are wonderful. You are lovely. You are magnificent, Lord God. Father, I pray now, Lord God, that you would humble me, Lord. Father, that you would make me very, very small, Lord, and that you would magnify yourself. Spirit of God, that you would flow from my mouth. That every word that I speak would be edifying to you, Lord. Father, my main goal and main desire is in line with yours. I just want to see people in love with you. I just want to see hearts change. I want to see lives change. I want to see people challenged at the word that comes out of my mouth. And God, I know that can only come from you, so I pray, Father, that you have your way inside of me this evening, God. And I pray that you would have your way in the hearts of each and every individual that is in here tonight, Lord. Father, I adore you and I surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We've been talking um, from the book of James. Um... It began a few weeks ago. We're doing the last portion of chapter 2 this evening. And um, I believe that God is really going to, to stir something up inside of you. The book of James was written by James. And the audience was all followers of Jesus. Originally written to the early Christian Jews who were persecuted and scattered abroad. So essentially, you can say it was written to all followers of Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus, then this book should be speaking to you. It was written about 49 A.D. after the death of Jesus. And the central theme is our faith determines our actions and our attitudes. So uh, moving right along, we're going to begin to speak from chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And if you have your Bibles, you can open up. We will read them together. I will take after a strong man of God and mimic his format and read the text that we are going to be speaking from. Beginning in James chapter 2, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? 
If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Verse 17, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. The reply to that is, Show me your faith with your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them on their way, sent them out another way. Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Uh, I was going to say the title of the message, but I forgot. I'm still working on this title of the message thing. It's like the last few weeks, they're like, what's the title of the message? I'm like, what Just what was one of the words that I said or something? Um, but I did have a title this time, and I didn't write it down. Maybe to come to me by the end of service, right? Okay. All right, let's go ahead and start in verse 14 then. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? That's the question James is asking. This faith cannot save him. Because we're talking about a gentleman here that says, hey, I got faith. But he didn't have any works. This faith cannot save this gentleman. It's kind of like the actions speak louder than word saying, right? Actions speak louder than words. I got faith. But you ain't doing nothing. You have no actions to back up your faith. There's no evidence behind what you're saying you have faith in. So the actions that are produced by your faith in Jesus are the fruits of the Spirit. So if you got faith in Jesus, you're going to be bearing the fruit. If you are seeking after God, the fruit of the Spirit are going to follow. In Galatians 5.24, says that those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you have faith in Jesus, you belong to Jesus. You're a new creation in Christ. That's the purpose to have faith, right? That's my purpose. Christians today, that should be their purpose. I don't think there's any demons here that say, hey, I believe, and I'm trembling. They're believing because they want to go to heaven. So if you have faith in Jesus... You belong to Christ, and you should be crucifying your flesh and its passions and desires. And the fruit should be flowing out of you. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It should all be flowing out of you. That's what's going to be evidence. Those are the actions that are going to be coming with the faith that you claim to have. 
you will be an individual who becomes disgusted by sin and desires to have more of Christ and less of themselves. Because it's inevitable when you become in love with Jesus and you become a new creation in Christ and you learn more and more about Jesus and you learn more and more about God and you begin to recognize how holy and how great and how awesome he is, it's inevitable for you to realize how wretched you are apart from him. So you're going to begin to say, you know what, I want less of me. Now I know why he's telling me to lay my life down and follow after him. Now I know why he says that if anyone wants to follow me, they must, they must deny themselves. Now I know because whenever it's revealed to you how good God is, you will realize that that barometer is really high. That measuring stick is really high. God equates hatred with murder. You think you have to take someone's life. He equates thoughts with actions. The adulterer in their mind is the adulterer in reality. Is your faith verbal or does everyone know who your Lord is simply by observing your behavior? It's a question we should ask ourselves every day. In verses 2 through 20, verses 15 through 20 of chapter 2 in the book of James, He says, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself does not have works. It is dead. Examples of dead faith. Graduate. You say, I want to graduate. I got faith. I will graduate. But you don't study. You skipped class. The end result will be you not graduating. Your faith is dead. You might have faith you're going to graduate, but it ain't happening because there's no actions to back up that faith that you're claiming to have. Or you say, this medicine will cure me. I have an illness, and I have faith that this medicine is going to cure me. But yet, you vow to never take that medicine. The result will be, you will not be cured from that illness, from that medicine. It's not going to happen. Even though you had faith that medicine would cure you, there's no actions to back it up. You won't even take it. The elevator, you say, I got faith that elevator is going to bring me to the 20th floor. But you vow to never get inside the elevator and take it up. And you're always walking up the stairs tired. The end result will be, even though you had faith in that elevator, Taking you to the 20th floor, the end result will you be getting a workout every time you go up them stairs. Because you have no actions to back up your claim of faith that the elevator will take you where you say you believe it's going to take you. What about if you're working for John Doe? You say, I got faith that working for John Doe, I'm going to be compensated $200 a day. Yet you never go to work for him. You will never receive wages for your labor from John Doe. Ain't going to happen. No matter how much you fit, have faith that he's going to pay, you ain't getting no money because you have no actions to back up your faith. Here's one that might cut a little bit. You have faith that Jesus is Savior of humanity and deliverer of our wretched souls. Romans 7, 24 and 25. Please, I'll read it with you guys. Romans 7, chapter 7, verses 24 through 25. 
You have faith that Jesus is the Savior of humanity and deliverer of, the wretch, of our wretched souls. Romans chapter 7, verses 24 through 25 says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. The focal point there is you have faith that Jesus will deliver you from that body of death, that Jesus will be the deliverer of all of humanity. He is the deliverer of your wretched soul. Yet, you do not share this good news with anybody. Oh, you got faith that he's the Savior. You got faith that he can save your soul from the pit of hell. You got faith that he can deliver you from your wretched soul, but you don't share the news with nobody? Two things. One, you're either extremely selfish, and you should be convicted right now, if that's the case. And you should ask God to remove that selfishness, and make you loving enough to share the saving knowledge of a risen Savior with, at minimum, those whom you are in relationship. Or number two, your faith is dead. And is nothing more than words with no evidence. No works as evidence. If this is the case, then you should take time to reflect on your understanding of who Jesus is. Take time to reflect on what he means to you. Take time to reflect on why you need him. Take time to reflect on why you are who you are apart from Jesus, and who you are in Jesus. If number two is you. If you're the one that's just merely a believer through words with no actions, then you have to take time to reflect. Have you set time apart for you to watch certain television shows that are an hour long? Maybe you watch three series and there's three hours. If this is you, you must take the time to meditate on God and search your own heart fervently. Who is Jesus? My faith that I say I have in him, it's not producing any actions. I have no desire to share the gospel. But I believe, I do believe that he's the Savior. I do believe that he can save humanity. God, why am I not sharing this with anybody? You have to take time to ask yourself these questions. Why is my faith not producing actions? I promise you God will give you the answer. He says if you seek, if you seek him, you will find him. If you knock, he'll answer. Examples of faith with works perfecting it. You have faith that you'll graduate. Therefore, you study diligently and strive to have perfect attendance so that you don't miss any assignments. You will graduate. Why? Because you got faith you'll graduate, and you didn't just sit idle, but you put that faith into action. Your faith has works. You're going to graduate. Praise God. You have faith that that certain medicine will cure your illness. Therefore, you take the medicine out of faith. As recommended by the doctor, guess what? You're going to be cured of that illness. Noah had faith that there was going to be a flood that was going to eliminate all living things. Therefore, he built the ark that God instructed him to build. Remember I told you God was a God of detail? Man, the ark was 300 cubits in length. Anybody know how long that is in feet? 450 feet long. That's like really long. I was supposed to bring a tape measure, but I can guarantee you 
from that wall to this wall. Hey, look, we got a tape measure right here. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, it's 40. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20. Yeah, maybe 70 feet from wall to wall. The ark was 450 feet long. That's, what is this? That's, that's six, six of these and some. I've never been on a cruise. I don't have that luxury, but, you know what I'm saying? But six from wall to wall, six of them and some. Everybody look back at that wall. I'm talking about where the door is, not where Bishop's office is. Times that by six. That's how long the ark was. Fifty cubits, seven hundred seventy-five feet wide. Four, eight, twelve, sixteen. Matter of fact, I said this was about seventy, right? Turn it sideways. That's how wide the ark was. A little bit bigger. So it's six of these and some long. All of this wide. So this is how wide the ark was from that wall to that wall. And four hundred and fifty feet. Three stories. Three stories high. 30 cubits, that's 45 feet high. I got news for you. This ceiling, it, it might be a 10-foot ceiling. It's a 9 or 10-foot ceiling. 45 feet high. Why am I saying this? Noah had faith that produced action. You guys think he had help building that ark? I don't think he didn't either. Did he? I don't think he did. His sons may have helped him, but I know the majority of people thought he was crazy. That is a that is a long that is a big construction project, y'all. They didn't have no forklifts, they didn't have no cranes. But in faith, God said, I am going to destroy. All living things. And you need to build this ark. And you need to build it like this. Because I got a plan. And I am pleased with you. You and your family is going to be all right. And Noah built the ark. He had faith. You have faith that the elevator will bring you up 20 floors safe. Therefore, you get in, you press 20. And you rapidly rise to the 20th floor. Your faith has been put into action. You have works now. That faith is no longer dead. You have faith that working with good old John Doe, you're going to be compensated $200 per day. Therefore, you go to work for him for five days and make $1,000. You have faith that Jesus is the Savior of humanity and deliverer of our wretched souls. According to his holy word. Therefore, you share the gospel with everyone whom God gives you the chance to share with. And you see brokenhearted people who are in need of a Savior begin to weep and repent and seek God's face. Then God forgives them of their sins. And through the goodness of our great God, they will begin. They will be given salvation through Jesus Christ as new creations. Why? Because the faith that you claimed to have, you really had it. It wasn't dead. 
it boiled up inside of you so much. You believed so much in your heart that Jesus is the Savior. You couldn't even contain yourself. And you said, man, I got to tell you because if I don't tell you and you pass away, I would feel guilty, man. I, w- I wouldn't know what to do with myself. Has anyone ever experienced death in here? Not yourselves, but anybody you know? Death to me is just so, I got my mind around it. When someone dies, I don't get so weeped up and, 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 and mourning, but it kind of freaks me out because, because I, especially if they're saved, then I really don't get brokenhearted. But it's the day after and the day after and weeks after that I think to myself, they're gone. I'm never going to see them again. That's whenever my mind begins to, to wander. If you have an opportunity to share your faith that you believe will be the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that you believe will save them, you have to share it. Your faith without works is dead. Verses 21 through 25. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. Verse 23. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that. You see then that a man is justified not only by works, justified by works and not only by faith. You see, so your faith will consider you a friend of God. God counted Abraham's belief as righteousness. Let me go through the story of Abraham. Because you talk about a man of faith. God calls him out of his father's house. And back then, they lived in tribes. It wasn't like... Your address is 450 Ranch Trail. I live at 452 Ranch Trail. We're neighbors. Okay? My dad lives two streets over. I left his house. I came over here. It was nothing like that. I mean, they had communities in the middle of wherever, you know, out in the middle of land. I mean, it was just crazy. Teepees and and so forth. I mean, it was just, that was how they operated back then, you know? And they traveled together. They shared uh, cattle together and, and sheep and, you know, all the things that they ate and crops. That was their little community. It wasn't, oh, I got a household of four. I mean, you, you were a whole community. So whenever he ventured off, God called him out when he was 75 years old. And whenever God told him to leave the land, God was calling him out to separate him. God wanted to separate Abraham because he had plans for him. So his father, they had some different, you know, they worshiped certain gods and stuff, they, they, were, they, they weren't completely sold out to God, let's just say that. And um, so Abraham left, and he left with his people. He took however many people, he took however much cattle, and they all left. They didn't even know where they were going. Not to travel on through the desert. That's crazy faith right there. So you got this man. He's going, man. He's, he's leading all the people. They're all like, man, where are we going? You're talking about this land God's promised you. I'm hot. This is crazy. We had it made over there. But he's faithful. He said, I'm telling you, God promised me I'm going. You come with me. He was 75 years old. 
This was also when God first promised to make him a great nation and that all the families of the earth will be blessed. In Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Then in Genesis chapter 15, verses 3 through 6, God told Abraham that as the stars cannot be numbered, so shall his descendants be. Verse 6 is what James reflects on. In James chapter 2, verse 23, it says Abraham believed in God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It's also in um, Genesis 15 and 6. So he's telling him, God's telling him, he calls him out when he's 75 years old. He says, man, I'm going to bless you and your, your descendants. You know, you're going to be, all of the families of the earth are going to be blessed from you. What was he talking about? Do you guys know what he was talking about? Let me just stop there real quick. How could all the families of the earth be blessed through Abraham? Jesus. Jesus came from the lineage of Abraham. That's who God was talking about way back here in the book of Genesis. So God tells Abraham, I will establish an everlasting covenant with him and all of his descendants. After him from generation to generation, God tells Abraham that Sarah will bear him a son in spite of her age. At that time that he's telling him this in chapter 17, she's 90 years old. And God says, and they shall call, you should call his name Isaac. And this is whom God says that he will establish his everlasting covenant with. So then he goes on even further in Genesis chapter 18 and he tells him, that he will return and Sarah will have a son. Now, Sarah had passed the age of childbearing by far. Because you got to remember back then, what? No, go to Walmart, get some formula. You're going to bear a child, you're going to be nursing that child too. She was way past that time. Genesis 21, Isaac is born just as God promised. Abraham is how old? 100 years old. 25 years he waited on this promise. 25 years, this promise that God had promised him, he waited faithfully. Amazing. Abraham left his land, the comfort of having an abundance in his father's land. He waited 25 years for the promise of God to come to pass. And in Genesis 22, God tells Abraham to take his only son Isaac sacrifice him as an offering he says go into the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell you see Abraham with his very close relationship with God he knew that God's promise was going to come to pass because remember whenever he was visiting him throughout the book of Genesis in chapter 18 chapter 17 when he's visiting he said no Isaac is who I'm going to established this everlasting covenant with so when God tells Abraham to go and he says sacrifice him Abraham's got to know in his heart man I waited 25 years for this promise you said you were going to establish a covenant an everlasting covenant and all the families of the earth would be blessed through Isaac so what does Abraham do faithfully gets, gets ready to go he's packing it up in faith he's moving he's going to he's going to the land of Moriah he's going to Give a burnt offering to God. And Isaac says, where's, uh, where's the burnt offering at, Dad? And uh, Abraham says, he says, God is going to provide a burnt offering for himself. And he got all the way to the point where he was ready to rock and roll, still without hesitation. I mean, I don't know, maybe he did hesitate, but the Bible doesn't record it. 
And he's, he's ready to go, and the angel of the Lord stops him. And then the burnt offering is provided. What are we talking about? Faith. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't exist. It's useless. Just like you couldn't go to the, you couldn't go to the 20th floor in the elevator if you wouldn't get on the elevator and know how much faith you had that the elevator would take you there. Just like you wouldn't graduate no matter how much faith you had that you would graduate if you never studied and diligently applied yourself because the faith that you had to graduate isn't enough. It's dead. Abraham had faith. He did everything God told him to do. He waited 25 years. And then in chapter 2, verse 26, or before I even go there, in verse 25, he says, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works whenever she received the messengers and sent them out another way? This is another very interesting story. Joshua, in the book of Joshua, Rahab, they were scared. See, these spies were sent out into the land to spy it out, to check it out, because God had promised them that land. Well, when they came and they came to chill out at Rahab's lodge or what, whatever, they got word that they were there. They went out, Rahab, let them out. We got we to take care of these people. And Rahab hid them. He said they went out the gate. But in the back of her mind, she's trying to protect her family because she had faith too. She had faith. She knew that God was going to take that city out because there's been word. When you guys came out of Egypt, God dried up the Red Sea. When you guys went over in, into those different lands, God, God utterly destroyed them. We're fearful. We knew you guys were coming. We knew God had promised you this land. Please protect my family. Remember this. I hid you. I didn't sell you out. Protect my family when you guys come to take over this land. Please. So they made a little pact, but she had faith. She knew that this was going to come to pass. So in faith, she put her neck out there, went against her own people, and hid these. To them, they were, they were enemies. So in the book of James, it says, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? See, if she had faith that they were going to come take the land, but yet she, did no, she had no actions to go along with that faith, she, her and her family would have died. Because no matter how much faith she had, they were still coming to take that land. So she needed to do something about it at that moment in time. And that's what she did. Verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. And I'll close with this. To show your faith, you must have works that perfects the faith. In verse 18, it goes over that. So what you claim to have faith in, take the time to evaluate it. Take the time to say, all right, I, I'm saying I got faith in this, but what are my actions? What, what's the cause and effect here? Because that's what faith, it's faith and works, cause and effect. Faith works. If you have faith, there's going to be actions that come after. So when you say, I got faith in Jesus Christ, I got faith that he is the Savior of the world, I got faith that all humanity can be saved through him, but yet you sit idle and do not do nothing about it, you have to question yourself. 
Don't question whether you're saved, but question, God, why? Am I not moving? Help me. I have no actions. Don't just continue to go day in and day out with no actions. Otherwise, your faith is dead, and it's not a saving faith. What was it in, in verse 14, the very first thing that he said? The guy said, hey, I got faith, but I ain't got no works. And James says, can that faith save him? No. So seek God's face and ask him for faith. The Bible says that if you ask, you will receive. And if you ask in the will of the Father and in the name of Jesus and with a repentant heart and you abide in Christ, God will give to you. Align yourself with God and then ask for this faith. And then it also says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So the first step, check yourself. Evaluate yourself. You say you got faith? Praise God. Don't be like that foolish man that James was, James was talking to in the book of James. Your faith is dead unless it has action. Let us pray.